you know, when you think about pain, I don't, I don't know anybody. I, I mean, I've personally never met anybody that enjoys pain. I, I don't like painful things coming into my life. I don't like painful things showing up in my soul. And I tell you what I especially don't want. I, I don't want pain in my faith. I mean, I hitched my wagon to the Prince of Peace, not the Prince of Persecution, right? I mean, you know, who, who wants to, who, who looks forward to struggle? It, it, it just isn't, it isn't fun, especially in our faith. Today, I'm going to talk to you about real Christianity because the truth of the matter is real Christianity, real Christianity is really costly and real Christianity is, it is a path where sometimes pain shows up. There's just no way around it. Nobody wants to experience it but we saw that Jesus experienced pain and faith doesn't always make sense at times. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about how to navigate that. I, I love what, let's go to the next one. Uh, today, as we're talking about real Christianity, I want to show you this verse that Jesus said. Look at this in Matthew. Jesus said in Matthew 16, this is one of those hard sayings of Jesus. He said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, that, that's a hard saying of Jesus. That is not a comfortable saying. That, I, mean, whoever wants, I mean, whoever wants to find life will lose it. If you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself. Those are really tough sayings. Real Christianity is really costly. And Jesus is telling us right there out of the gate that real Christianity is going to cost you something. And if we're going to learn to navigate life, and if we're going to learn to navigate the life in Christ, it's not always going to be easy. In fact, I'll say again, real Christianity is really costly. Real Christianity is really costly. And today I want to talk to you about a man who faced a really difficult day that cost him everything he had. I want you to turn to Acts chapter six. We're gonna start there this morning and we're gonna talk about a guy named Stephen. And in this man, uh, as you're turning to Acts chapter six, Stephen was a deacon. Now, this is one, one thing that's kind of interesting about Stephen's life. Stephen was not an apostle. Stephen was an ordinary fella. Just got up, went to church every day, had a job, had a normal life, probably had a family as most men of that age would. And so Stephen is, is a deacon. And, and this is an interesting place in Acts because this is where you start seeing that signs and wonders were accompanying the Christians, not just the apostles. Stephen was one of the first deacons. And we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 6, verse 8. The Bible says that Stephen was full of grace and power and was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Now, then the story changes, though. Look at what happens. But some men from, from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some were from uh, Sicilia and Asia, they rose up and they argued with Stephen. So Stephen finds himself in just a, a regular debate about faith. Just a, you know, you ever had that happen to you? Just getting kind of a little bit of debate on faith. And this little debate on faith at the water cooler or wherever they were at kind of went sideways. It says in verse 10, they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen was speaking. In other words, Stephen had his game together. He knew his stuff. 
And they secretly induced men. That is, the, this is the synagogue of freedmen, his adversaries. It says they induced men in verse 11 to make up stories, they, to, to literally to say, to make up, that we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they, they came to Stephen, and they drug him away, and they brought him before a council. So just imagine that you're going through your normal day. You're getting a little bit of a theological debate with some friends, and all of a sudden you've wound up in front of the Franklin Police Department. That's exactly kind of what happens right here, if you will. But this was more of a spiritual tribunal, but they did have authority. It says in verse 13 that they they put forward false witnesses. So this is a mock court. And they said, this man incessantly speaks against the holy place, that is the temple, and the law, verse 14. And we've heard him say that this Nazarene, Jesus, that he'll destroy this place and he'll alter the customs that Moses handed down for us. And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. So all of a sudden, Stephen is standing in front of a group of people. And they're saying, is this true? Did you do this? Are you saying these kind of things about who Jesus is? Now, I'm not going to take the time to to go into it this morning because it would probably take me 20 minutes. Stephen goes into a speech. Really, it's kind of more like a sermon off the cuff. And he begins, he starts way back with Moses and Abraham and he walks all the way through to to that moment in time where Christ, the very Jesus that they were looking for, has been fulfilling the law and that he's the Messiah. And when they hear that, they can't take it. Now I want you to go into the latter part of verse or chapter 7. And it says in verse 54, after Stephen gets done basically sharing the gospel with them in no uncertain terms. Chapter 7, verse 54 picks up and it says, Now when they heard this, they were, uh, the New American Standard says, cut to the quick. Let me, let me say, tell you what that means. It means they went to the bone. They didn't like it. It hurt. They hated it. And it says they began gnashing their teeth. Or basically think about them clenching their jaw and having an angry face. And, and they, they were over it, man. They were, they were totally in, in, incensed at that moment. And verse 55 says that Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and he saw the glory of God. So he quits talking to them and he looks up and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And Stephen said, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now look at how they respond. It says, but they cried out loud with a loud voice and they covered their ears. Think about that. They began screaming and they covered their ears. Stop what you're saying. Stop it. Stop it. We don't want to hear it. And they rushed at him with impulse. They got so mad they lost their mind. Verse 58 says, and when they had driven him out of the city, so literally they took him, they, they forced him out to the outskirts of the city and they began stoning him, picking up rocks literally and beating him to death. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called to the Lord. And he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then falling on his knees, he cried out loud with a loud voice. And he said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. So here we have the first Christian martyr. Stephen pays, I mean, he's just, he just gets up one day, goes to work, never realizing that he would never sleep in the same bed that he got out of that day. He just 
was going through a normal day. And he stands on his own two feet and he won't back down for who Christ is and they kill him. Now, you know what? You may not be called. In fact, you know what? Most of us in this room, I would dare say the vast majority of us within the sound of my voice, you're not going to be called most likely to give up your life for Christ. But real Christianity is really costly. And there may come a day when you're called to give up your life for Christ. What you see with Stephen It's kind of a progression. You see what was starting out as mocking his faith began to really be where they were scorning his faith. And what what happened there as the progression went on from scorning his faith to scourging, I mean, literally beating him. There was a mocking and then a scorning and then they just couldn't take it anymore and they literally ended up killing him. So the, the question really comes down to what does Stephen's story have to do with me? What does Stephen's story have to do with me? Well, real Christianity is really costly. And if you're going to stand on the gospel like Stephen did, if you're going to stand on the gospel, then you need to be prepared to be misunderstood, right? If you're going to stand on the gospel, you need to be prepared to be misunderstood because real Christianity is really, really costly. Have you ever felt like in your life, have you ever felt like that your convictions cost you something? Do you ever feel like at school, you're the only one in the classroom that really is holding down the line. You ever feel like in the sales meeting at work that your willingness not to bend, you're unwilling to bend. You ever feel like that your convictions cost you? If you're going to stand on the gospel, then you need to be prepared to be misunderstood. Because real Christianity is really costly. Now, why, why'd they kill him? Why'd they kill him? Why, why, how does Stephen's story apply to you? Well, then you got to ask yourself, why did they kill him? Well, they killed him because he told the truth. He told the truth. And, and here's what he told them. He basically told them, he's talking to Jews now. Remember, they revered the temple, they revered Moses. And he's basically telling them that the temple of God no longer has a mailing address. The temple of God now resides in the heart of the believer. That this very Jesus that you've been praying for, This very Jesus that that you've been asking for, this Messiah, he actually came. And guess what you did? You killed him. See, that doesn't, doesn't sit well for a Jew who's been wanting a Messiah all these years. And when he shows up, they crucify him. Isn't that strange? So... He's telling them, you know, he shows up and and you kill him. And he's telling them, you know, if you go back and read his sermon in chapter 7, which I would really encourage you to do, if you go back and read his sermon, what he's telling them is, look, the glory of God no longer just exists on a certain people. The glory of God now exists on the Son. The glory of God exists on the sun. It shines on the sun. And so God isn't just holding Jews to be his favorite. He's actually letting Gentiles in and he's letting all people come. And they did not want to hear that. The glory of God now rested on the sun. And so what did they do? He, they, they began to be incensed and they, they, they lose their mind and, and they end up stoning him. He tells them that, that, that their sins are going to cost them and they didn't want to hear that. If you're going to stand on the gospel, then you need to be prepared to be misunderstood. Real Christianity is really costly. That's not all. It didn't just cost Stephen that. One of the things I see in the life of Stephen is that that really comfort and Christianity didn't coexist. If you're going to stand on the gospel, not only do you need to be be prepared to be misunderstood, but you also need to understand it's going to be uncomfortable at times. You know, it's funny to me about the, the New Testament, right? 
The New Testament for me is a little bit interesting when it comes to the fact that we, in the church, we, we talk a lot about Jesus making our lives better. We talk a lot about Jesus healing our hurts, and he does. But if you read the New Testament, it is filled with martyrs and crosses, persecutions, and death. Real Christianity is really costly. And when you look at New Testament Christianity, Comfort and Christianity really don't coexist at all. But what you see is that God had a, a plan for the persecution. He wasn't just, he didn't just let this happen to Stephen because he's just, oh, you know, he'll, he'll be fine. He's going to heaven. God had a plan for the persecution. You see, what happened is this, there's a turning point in the book of Acts and you really don't need to miss it. Because when this happens, when they, this is the first guy that literally gets killed for his faith. And when that happens, what you start to see is that because of the persecution, it says, it says in fact, in, in chapter 8, verse 4, that therefore those who had been scattered, what did they do? It says they went about preaching the word. You see, when the persecution came, when they began to flee, the gospel went free. So God had a purpose in the pain. God had a purpose in the pain and there's times that you're going to give up stuff in your Christian life because God is going to use that pain to spread the gospel because real Christianity is really costly. The Bible says all throughout the New Testament that we are no longer our own, that we have been crucified in Christ and we no longer live, but the life we do live, we live by faith. And I really don't understand. I think there's times that as Christians, we don't really want to understand that part. We really don't want to think about, I mean, think about this, you guys. In 2019, in the year 2019, how popular is it to say you come second? Nobody says that anymore, right? That's not even American value. You come second. But in Christianity, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. But if you'll admit me before men, I'll admit you to the Father. Look at what Paul says in Colossians 3. In Colossians 3, he says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on this earth. For, look at this verse now, Colossians 3, verse 4. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, he's revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. You know what that's saying, don't you? There's a payoff coming. That's not why we live for Jesus, I mean, but for the payoff. But Paul is saying, there's a payoff coming. But he's saying right here on this earth, real Christianity is really costly. And so therefore, you're going to have to set your mind on something else. So how does Stephen's story connect to you? Stephen's story connects to you in that when I look at the life of Stephen, what I see is that Stephen wasn't living his life just, you know, because. Stephen wasn't just going through life without purpose. 
Stephen wasn't just strolling through life, hoping to get through life comfortably because Christianity and comfort don't coexist. No, Stephen's life counted. His life counted. And he made sure it counted. You see, at the end of your life, the Bible says that you're going to be revealed with him in glory. But before that happens, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. You died and your life is hidden with Christ. We don't live for ourselves. And the reason Stephen could, and I began to think about this all week long. I mean, what would make a guy, seriously, what would make a guy stand there and just let them beat him with rocks? Let me tell you, I wasn't raised like that. No kidding. I'm not going to let you hit me with a rock. I'm not going to let you hit me, period. I'm going to hit you back. And if you even look like you're about to hit me, I'm going to hit you first. I'm not joking. You know, I'm just not. It's not in me. Yeah, thank you. Bam. I mean, this is the most foreign thing in the world. That this guy, now you know what? But I'm going to bet you on a normal day, if you walked up to Stephen and slapped him, there's a fight coming. Don't you bet? I bet on a normal day, if you walked up to him, if you walked up to me, there's a fight coming if you do that. But not on this day. See, this was different. This was different. He was being basically told to deny the son, and he wasn't going to do it. So what would make a man stand there and just let them beat him? Real Christianity is really costly. Because his life wasn't measured by things on this earth. In fact, I would go so far as to say to you that your life will be measured by what you measure. You do know that, right? Your life will be measured by the things you measure. And Stephen was willing to give up things on this earth because his life was hidden in Christ and his life was hidden in the Lord. And there was going to be a glorious revealing with the Son. And so Stephen could stand there and he could let himself be killed for the glory of Jesus Christ. Because he didn't, I don't believe that Stephen, when you look at his life, he did not measure this world in the ways that everybody else measures success. Real Christianity is really costly. So if you're going to stand on the gospel, you need to be prepared to be misunderstood. And you need to be prepared for some very uncomfortable times. Because what you see in Stephen's life was that God had saved him. And because Jesus saved him, and because he had met the Son, and because he saw the Son raised from the dead, and because he experienced the the, the life of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in his life, now what you're starting to see is a man that's been transformed. Real Christianity is really costly. And I will tell you, if there's one of the biggest changes that I've seen, and I believe you see it in the life of Stephen, that one of the things you see that happen to you when you come to Christ is that actually you began to have God form your desires and redefine your desires. He's going to redefine who you are. And I think that's what allows Stephen to stand there and let it happen. God doesn't just shape our now. He shapes, he shapes our future. And, and as, as Stephen is one of the disciples of Jesus, not one of the original ones, he is a disciple, just like you, just like me. He's a disciple. And as a result of that, God changed him from the inside out that he could let himself be killed and, and, and pay the ultimate price because he wasn't hanging on to this world. 
See, when we think about discipleship so often, we think about intellect. I mean, we really do. In fact, I would say my entire Christian journey, I would say my entire Christian journey, when people think about discipleship, they think about intellect, better intellect, deeper knowledge of God. And that's most certainly a part of it. I mean, yes, Jesus told us in the great commandment that we, sh- we should love the Lord our God with our heart, our soul, and our mind, right? So, so we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But discipleship just isn't about getting smarter. No, when, when, God, when God forms you, he doesn't just form your mind. He redefines your longings. He redefines your desires. When, if, if there's one testimony I could give you as a Christian, it's that that, that God literally has changed the things I yearn for. You better hope he does. That he changes the things you yearn for. You'll, your life's going to be defined by your desires. It is. It's going to be defined by your desires. And Stephen's desires were to live a life to the glory of God. And, and so if that cost him the ultimate price, and it cost him because really, really, real Christianity is really costly. It, it's really costly. I think it's why Jesus gave us phrases that he gave us in scriptures that he gave us. Like the one you see in Matthew, look at this right here. Jesus said, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction and there are many who enter through it. But the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. What would cause a man like Stephen to give it all up? I think it's because that Stephen was never willing to to let this life on earth be what it was never meant to be, and that's heaven. This life was never meant to be heaven. And so therefore, he could pay the cost. Let's pray together. With your eyes closed this morning, I want you to listen to me For a second, I'm not going to ask you to come down here. But as the music plays, I want to offer you something. Real Christianity is really costly. And you may not be called to give up your physical life, but you are called to give your life. And you're never going to experience the glory of God unless you're willing to cut loose and be unshackled from some things of this earth. See, I really believe that's what Stephen could let go because Stephen wasn't clinging to this world. Did you notice that when the story unfolded that there was a time in that story that he stopped talking to them and he looked up? He began to look up to receive his reward. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this world, the scriptures that you've just read. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. What, what is God calling you to give up? What is God calling you to give up? Some of you are holding on pretty tight to some things. And God's not going to use you till you're going to let it up. Not, he's not doing that out of anger. He's doing that because he loves you too much for you to hang on to things that are going to be your demise. What are you called this morning to lay down? What are you gripping so hard that's keeping you from being a disciple? Real Christianity is really costly. Real Christianity is really costly. What are you willing to give up on this earth to be unshackled 
from this earth. What do you worry about the most? What brings you anxiety at the very thought of it? What are you holding on to? Is that what you need to lay down? This week as you leave here, I want you to be willing to lay down anything, to lay aside every weight that would keep you from running the race to the glory of God. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning and we say that you are not just Savior, you're Lord. You are Lord, Master, the all-knowing one. You deserve our willingness to align, to fall under, to follow, not to walk beside, certainly not to walk ahead. You are not our partner. You are the master. And so, God, I pray this morning as, as we leave here that you would let us lay aside every weight that hinders us and every sin that so easily ensnares and walk out our faith regardless of what it costs us. In the name of Jesus, I pray it.